podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys from Coppin Crackers. Welcome to this week's episode of Copper and Fraca, powered by Social Media Group. I am your host, Chris. And just a few housekeeping notes before we get underway with the show. I know you're all tired of me saying this, and the quicker you all do it, the quicker I don't, I don't have to do it again. So please head over to the Touchline Fracas YouTube channel. So head over to YouTube, put in Touchline Fracas. Uh, you'll find all the amazing video content that not only us here at Coppin are doing, but the rest of the Touchline Network. So anything by Mugga, Chessiawa, um, Touchy Gunas, um, the Spurs pod. You've got everything on there and everything from a main pod point of view to so go over there and listen and watch everything we have on that platform. And of course, um, what we do, one of the things we do have on there is this weekend's Patreon exclusive that we released as a free podcast, the post-match uh, show from Liverpool 3 Leicester, no, which we'll be talking a little bit more in detail shortly. Uh, but yeah, so if you head over there, you can get that in full. So, joining me tonight, I have got Ellis Joe Mush, Farouk, and we have a special guest with us. We are joined by Hits. Hits, how are you, sir? Yes, man. Damn, man. Just celebrating the good victory on the weekend, you know? Still letting it take me, man. Yeah, man. I'm happy, man. I'm happy. I'm happy. I can't be. I can't be. I can't be upset about no one. No, awesome. Let's let's jump into it then. Um, Hits, I'll start with you. Um. 
It seems as though for the course of the past 12 to 18 months, games against Leicester have been really good pinnacle markers in the season yeah. for Liverpool. So you look at the game from uh, last season where Milner scores a late penalty, where we completely dominate them throughout. Um, the game when we come back from the Club World Cup, we beat them 4-0 convincingly mm-hmm. on about two hours sleep, like we've been out partying all night. And of course, you had Sunday where we have just a fantastic game of football where we're undermanned, underpowered and still come away with a win. So how important of that as a marker for this season do you think it's going to be for this Liverpool team? I think that that win on um, the weekend was a statement, to be fair. Like, the amount of players that we've got, key players that we have, no Van Dijk, no Gomez, no Trent, no Thiago, no Hendo. I was worried on the weekend, I'm not going to lie, bro. I'm thinking, you know what, how we played Villa, if Leicester play us like that, we're finished. So I was blown away to see the performance that we put in, to be fair. Like, I didn't expect that. Like, that to me was the standout performance of the season, just for the simple fact of how much injuries we had and still blew Leicester away. And Leicester were not an easy team. So, yeah, I just think that Klopp knows how to beat Leicester. Like, he's got, he's got that in. Like, he, Klopp always finds a team where he just knows how to beat them all the time. And I think he's just got the better of Leicester now. He knows how to play them. So, yeah, man, it's perfect, perfect result. Can't ask for nothing else, to be fair. No, I love that. I just wanted to quickly touch on something as well. As a fellow, uh, fellow kind of like West Midlands there, that loss against Villa, how much of a pain in the ass was that for your, with you, with your mates? Yeah, you know what, bro? I've got Villa fans as in my family, bro. I, I turned off my phone for at least a week, bro. Like, <laughs> and, not in, and this is why it's so mad, yeah? It shows how much of an elite team we are, and that was just a one-up blip. Because Villa were not even the hardest team we played, and we've battered everyone else since. So it just shows that, you know what, we just had a one-off game that day and Villa got the best of us. A lot of deflections, obviously, as well, didn't help us. But, yeah, man, I think when they come to play off the next time, I think Villa are going to hold smoke. Like, I think Liverpool are looking to do them over the next time we play them. So they can have that one win. They're still doing well. So I'm not, I'm not really bothered, to be fair. And I told a lot of Liverpool fans, don't even watch that result, to be fair. Like, it's a little one-off blip. I know that we will bounce back and come back stronger, which is what we're doing. So, yeah. No, I love that. Um, Joe, I'll come to you on this. Um, midfield was a bit of a contentious point when we were talking about going to this game. So we started off with, we, you know, we started the game with uh, Wijnaldum in the holding role with Curtis Jones and Naby Keita. How impressed were you with that midfield three, uh, just in terms of their work rate performance until Keita unfortunately went off with another injury? I was really impressed. Um, I was really pleased. Um... And I was especially impressed with uh, with Curtis Jones. I really liked his performance. It was a lot more mature than, you know, I I would have expected for someone who's 19. Um, It was a breath of fresh air, if you will, just to kind of watch the dynamics of that midfield pan out um, ultimately before um, Cater had these injuries and then um, Milner, you know, came in. it was a brilliant performance. Um, no complaints. Um, I like the way Naby looked before he unfortunately had to go off. Um, whether or not that's that there's anything else in, in that injury, I hope there isn't. But I was really impressed. Um, I, I, I like the way Genie's been balling as well. He seems to have found his, himself. Um, and you can just tell that there's a real football player in there. Um, and that's just something I want to, I 
want us to continue to see from Tunis. So, all in all, no complaints from me from a, from a midfield perspective. Although, I won't lie, I thought that midfield was poverty, but um, they did remarkably well. Yeah, I have no complaints. Yeah, it was one of the areas where we were looking at before the game. We thought that'd be a bit of a vulnerable area, being obviously undermanned without without Henderson that we've seen so many times in the past. Um, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a lapse in our game. Uh, Mush, I'll come to you on the points that Joe touched on in terms of Curtis Jones and his performance. How impressed were you from a kid that is 19 and his fourth Premier League start to go out and deliver such a mature and seasoned performance as he did? I'm so happy you came to me for this because I was about to interrupt so I could say this. So I'm very, <laughs> very happy that I've been chosen here. Um, I think the big thing about Curtis Jones yesterday, I don't think, whereas a lot of people when they watch football, they're um, easily taken, they take to youngsters easily. I don't think I do as a, as a football fan, only because I've, I've just seen so many youngsters who have a hot spark come and go or people aren't realistic about the flaws or the development needed and in all honesty for me Curtis Jones to me looked like a player a typical player initially who'd come out of an academy of a top club so all the foundations were good the touch is good can use receiver on both feet all of that's there but that's fine but then to make it in the senior game it's about do you have the aggression do you have the understanding can you do what the team needs you to do rather than you just showcasing your skills and I think that that is what lacks in players. And yesterday, Curtis Jones showed me he has so much more of a tactical understanding and willingness to do it than I initially thought. And it was, for me, really interesting that whereas I thought Curtis Jones might look at someone like Naby Keita or be the quality injection like a Shakiri or something, for me, I learned that Curtis Jones yesterday, if he gets the years and the games under his belt, can come in and do what Hendo and Genie do for us, which is plug the holes, you know, fill in that position if Trent's gone forward. Tackle. I didn't know he could tackle so well. He's so much stronger than I thought. There were there was so much I, I saw the emergence of a man yesterday in terms of how he played. So I just wanna I wanna hope that that's a feature of his game permanently now, rather than just, you know, a one off had to do it, so I did do it kind of thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, when you are throwing, okay, I say throwing, you're putting out a, a young midfielder who is still to learn a lot of his a lot of his trade, especially when it comes to the way that we plays in an industrial midfield. I will say, you know, with air quotation marks. Um, so it was good to see him kind of filling in those technical positions, knowing when to press, knowing when not to press, and just seeing him back and being a lot more matured. Um, Els, I'll come to you on this as well. So this this kind of figures into the Curtis Jones part. Leicester were doing everything they possibly could. I think at one point in the first half, about 75 to 80% of their attacks came down that left-hand side um, where they presumably smelt blood. Little did they know um, James Milner was there and saying, you're not fucking having anything down that side of the pitch and I'm going to stop everything that comes in. And he drops a literal 10 out of 10 performance for a 34-year-old man playing uh, right back and then central midfield. How impressed were you with not only him on marshalling that right side of the, of, the, of the Liverpool team, but in terms of Jota and his willingness to pull back as well? Yeah, it was very impressive. Um, obviously, since Milner's been at the club, I haven't been his like, number one fan, of, but he's, he's a good player. But obviously, I'm not really his number one, but... Against Leicester, he really turned up when we needed that mature 
performance from a mature player who's been around for a little while and it showed um, he came onto the pitch, he knew that he had to do a job and he done, done his job well. Obviously, at his age now, the, the games might be like a yard too quick for him, but he usually matches up with intelligence and that's what he done. And um, going on to, from your point with Jota, I think in the group, Anik made a good point that he's very tenacious and he was very tenacious. He's always looking to get in behind the defender. I think he stretched out Fuchs a lot to the point where he had to come off injured because he was just stressed out. Uh, he might tell you he was injured, but I think Jota just, you know, took him, took him for a long day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that those two on the right side really made it hard for Leicester. They thought they can get in behind. A couple of times they did, but nothing came to fruition. But as the time, as the game went, got on, Liverpool started to dominate, use the ball better. Then when he went into centre mid, that's Milner. Even played even more better. He went on to the left hand side. I think a few of us were surprised that he didn't say on the right hand side to offer support to Nico Williams. Mm-hmm. Went on to the to the left hand side, um, and then we we'll make even more chances. I remember a few passes he gave to Mane, which were absolutely fantastic. So all in all, I think it was a top top performance from him. Um, one of the man of the matches of the of the game. Completely agree. Um... Farouk, I'll come to you because this is one of the points we were discussing earlier on. Um, Roberto Firmino, in the curious case of, um, you know, we, it was getting for me at a certain point in that game where it felt like there was some form of force field covering the bloody Leicester goal and he couldn't score. I mean, there were two, one of them which was literally about, what, a millimetre on the line and then another one they hit the post for a decent opportunity. How do you think that he performed in that game of the weekend? I think um, in the front three, obviously, Jota was probably the best attacker when we played left half. Yeah. Followed by Firmino, to be fair, because I think Mane was a bit rusty. Um, but I think I think Firmino did well. Um, I was, I was, I'm not going to lie, everybody in the group chat knows, I was really frustrated when he missed that chance. I was like, okay, he's done now. Like, in terms of his confidence, it's completely shot. Um, and you could tell that his confidence is it's been taken a battering because when he scored, the way the bench celebrated and everybody embraced him, you could see that it meant a lot to the whole team. Um, but I think he was, he's doing a lot of the stuff that he does and gets praised for. But I feel like, obviously, he's dropped off in the goals he's scoring and you can't afford to do that anymore at Liverpool. The, the bar's just been raised and it's like one of those things where he's a really, really good player. But if you don't step up to that plate, the level then you're going to find yourself on the bench, you know, because there's a guy who's come in who's just said, you know what, I'm going to come and, yeah, you might think I've come from a mid-table Premier League club, but I want to start. And that has, that has to put a rock up his ass because, you know, the performance against Leicester was good and he got a goal, but that has to be the standard. I'm so sorry. It's, you know, I think that the time for us having an attacker that doesn't contribute enough in terms of the goals is is it's been and gone. It's been and gone, especially in a season like this one. We need we need to be clinical. We need to we need to win games because we're going to lose some games. I'm not saying we're going to lose seven two like we lost the Villa, but we're going to lose some games because it's a mad mad season. So yeah. when when we're on top, we've got to take advantage, you know. So we we can't hold any passengers this this season, man. Honestly speaking, but I'm delighted for him to be fair. Hopefully he kicks on now, you know. Um, but lots of his flicks and stuff were coming off his passes. He made a few mistakes here and there, but that's. That's the risk you take when you're forward, you know. Um, but hopefully, I feel like I'm just praying that this is a turning point for him. 
you know, this season. I think a great point was made just then about the standard we should expect because I think, apart from the missed chances, if Mane or Salah had played how Firmino played, we would call that a poor or a quiet game for Mane or Salah. So we can't have, you know, a sympathetic bar for Firmino just because he's not playing as good. The standard should be there throughout for the team. So I completely agree with that. I think one of the things that was pressing me with him at, at, at the weekend, he was actually... And it sounds a little bit remedial to say, but he was doing the role properly. You know, he, he his average position was probably a lot deeper than he was. He was getting the ball, bringing it forward. But I think he looked like he had a lot more touches in the penalty box as well, and he was getting more opportunities there too, which is very encouraging. I mean, again, we're kind of saying it from the bar, his low point of view. But like Farouk said, if we can have that as the standard and that is what he has to do for, for the rest of the season, then I'll be completely happy with that. Hits, um how do you feel about Firmino and his performances as of late? Um, you know what? I think on the weekend he, was, he played really well, you know. Um, he hasn't been played really as well before that. But I think this weekend it looked like he's getting back to his sharpness. I think with the strikers, it's based on confidence, isn't it? And if your confidence is low, you're not going to be playing the same how you should be scoring. You know what I mean? It's the same with Aubameyang right now. He was banging goals last season. Can't hit the back of a bus right now. So I think it's just based on a bit of when he gets his confidence back, we're gonna see the we're gonna see the real Bobby. And I think what's gonna help it even more is the signing of Jota. Like you said, he's gonna kick him he's gonna kick him in his ass. Now he knows that you know what? I have to play now. God, there's a man here now that will take my spot. So I think we're gonna see the real Bobby in the next few the next few months, to be fair, I really do. Because he's so key to us as much as Jota is good. Bobby is the glue up front. Without Bobby playing well, I don't think the players attacking as how we should do. He brings in all the movement, the one-twos and whatnot. When he ain't doing that, we're not as attacking as we usually are. So I think once he gets back to that level where he's played at, I think we're going to be blowing teams away because we've got we've just got a different balance this season, man. Like there's more determination. Like it's like then they want this league even more. Like that week and the weekend showed me that, yeah. They want to fight for this league. They're not giving it away easily. So I think it's going to come well. In the next couple of months, we're going to see him on fire. I really do. No, I love that. I think that it, it's so key from what you said at the, at the tail end as well. Though. We really do have a team of killers. A team of, yeah. I mean, we, we always say we've got a team of mentality monsters. And, you know, it seems to be just a Liverpool thing in general. If you put a mountain of adversity up against us, mate, we'll find a way to get, the, to, get to the summit and cartwheel all the way down. So, no. Nah, and you said another thing as well, like, you know what? We only have Firmino. That's only been our main strike, if you think about it, the last two years. We can say Origi's played the odd games now and then, but he isn't really pushing Firmino's spot. See, when you're a striker and you ain't got no one pushing your spot, you start to get comfortable. I think that's what happened with Firmino, because no one's really been pushing his spot. He kind of let his foot off the gas, but now Jota's come in, he might go back to the level he's playing at. You know what I mean? Because I don't think Origi should be there anymore now. I think he's had his time. I think we should have sold him and kept Brewster, if I'm honest. But Klopp sees something in Origi that clearly we don't. So, I don't know. It's a bit of a mad one. But I personally would have signed a striker who's a finisher. Origi ain't really that. He just walks around the pitch for like majority of the game. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was going to say, if you had to pick strikers at the moment, and let's be a little bit realistic in who we can, I said, I said be realistic in who we can attain, we can probably sign anyone. I mean, the, the way that we're playing right now and, you know, the manager we've got, who, 
kind of looking to next summer for a number yeah. nine. Who would you who would you target? Dakar. Easily, like he is what we need. Someone who's direct, fast. Like I, I, I'm heartbroken we didn't get Werner. To be fair, when you see Werner's speed, what he's giving at Chelsea, and you put that in with Mane, Salah, and say we did sign Jota as well as Werner, we would probably would have the best forward line in, in Europe, probably the world. I just think we need somebody who's fast, totally different mm. to Firmino, and clinical. If Origi was doing that job, we wouldn't need somebody else, but he don't do nothing for me. And Dakar just fits our style of play. He can play anywhere across the line, and it's clinical. So that's who I'd probably buy, Dakar. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting shout, because I think the majority of people, they always kind of default to like the Erling Haaland's and uh, Kylian no, Mbappe's no. when we're talking about it. But Dakar's a, you know, Dakar's a good shout. You know what, Haaland, I was saying the other day to C4, Haaland would be a brilliant backup for Firmino. People don't realise how good Haaland's hold-up plays and how he links up with Dortmund's attackers. You wouldn't be backed up if he came, bro. I can tell you that now. He would be... That's the only striker I reckon that could play the false nine for Liverpool. Haaland, how he plays, is very similar to Bobby, but he's clinical and fast as well. So, if Bobby was to ever leave, I'd probably go for Haaland. I know a lot of people would say Mbappe, but Haaland would be my ideal fit for Liverpool, how his style of plays. Also, else to mention as well, he's an actual robot. So that also helps in terms of injuries. <laughs> um, else, I'll come to you. Uh, kind of just touching back onto Jota and looking at the second goal. We saw yesterday the Liverpool account, as they do, they kind of released those kind of first-person views of you know the vision and stuff for the goal. It's all down to Andy Robertson's complete brilliance, really. Um, the way he absolutely sends all Brighton into the Mersey basically, with his little fake, steps on forwards, pushes the ball 10 yards, delivers an absolute peach of a ball in, and Jota scores a header that I didn't think he was possibly capable of. It's a fantastic little finish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just goes back to his willingness to score goals. He just really, he just wants to score goals, and having a forward who just looks to get in the box, like your Salas and your Martinez, is very, very lovely. Um, people, sorry, players like Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold are going to deliver all day, every day. They just need someone to get in there and to to score. And it goes back to what his was saying about confidence. When you're confident, things like that just come off. Like he knows he's going to get at the end of that and he's going to score. And it just shows that his confidence is sky high right now. So yeah, the cross was fantastic, but the finish, the little header finish was like a young Michael Owen. Mm-hmm. I think, it shows, I think it shows a big thing as well, though, in terms of um, like a fullback and an attacker. It's like a it's like a combined relationship, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you don't if you don't have a if you don't have a forward who's willing to make the runs, a fullback will stop trying to cross the ball. And if you've got a fullback who doesn't keep trying to cross the ball, then he, he won't have attackers all run. So if you look at like Trent's crossing accuracy, which we think is excellent, I think. It's, it's less than 20%. So that means 80% of the time, Mane and Salah are making runs knowing the ball won't come. But the mentality needs to be there of the one time I don't run might be the time where I could have scored. So that hunger and that willingness to do it, even if it doesn't come off, because we all saw the angle, the chances of Robertson getting that right were so small, yet he's still got that willingness to think, 
you know what, let me do it and something might come of it. And that is such a clocked Liverpool, Mane Salah kind of mentality, which is awesome. And even, even when you look at the goal, when Robertson has the ball and you look at Jota, Jota's still that like 20 yards away from the goal. So as soon as yeah, Robertson's got the ball, he's looking as in, I'm just going to get in there. Like whatever happens, like you said, like you said, much um, whatever happens, it happens. If I cross the ball, I don't get it. But the fact that he's made that willingness to get into, into the into the box and to try and score, it just shows what um, one brilliant player is and two confident players. No, fantastic. Um, Joe, I'll come to you on this next point and kind of like tail off the conversation about the Leicester game. The centre back pairing is an interesting one. Um, we only have the one senior centre-back available at the moment, but it feels like we've got two available first-class centre-backs right now with the way that Fabinho is playing. How impressed were you with his display of the weekend as well, going up against a Jamie Vardy who is in fantastic form this season? Yeah, um, once again, really impressed. I'm not really a fan of Fabinho playing centre-back. Not because I don't think he's capable of doing it. I just think with where we are, we should have capable centre-backs to be able to come in and do a job. And in this instance, we don't because of the injuries. But his quality as a football player is probably underrated. I think in midfield, he's absolutely needed. There's no version of that midfield that doesn't have Fabinho in it for me. Um and it's just really it's just really indicative of the person or the kind of football player that he is that he's able to play right back. He's able to play DM and he's also able to play at centre back and he the, the performance levels do not drop. And I think that's more less to do with his uh, athleticism and more to do with the high IQ he actually possesses. Um he takes up brilliant positions. Uh if you're gonna, if he does get caught out, it's because it's you. You've done really well to catch him out, um, and he just sets himself up to be able to make ball recovery recoveries, and also sets himself up to make a really good um, pass into the midfield as well when he gets the ball. He's just really good. He's just a really good football player, um, and it's just good to have someone like that of his quality to to have in the team. Um, I just hope he just my only my only fear is I don't want him to be a victim of his versatility. Um I kinda want him for for you know greedy or personal reasons, I, I just want him to stay in midfield of the odd cameo, maybe at centre back if, if need be, but I just feel, you know, with him being so great at C B you know, I, I feel we may just end up keep him in, in that position and, you know, we, we absolutely need him in midfield. But his performance was brilliant, um, arguably along with Milner as man of the match. Um, I, I mean, you, you could argue, argue against and that's perfectly understood, but I was incredibly impressed with him. Yeah, there's about nine players in that game who you could argue with man of the match. We were that bloody good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that that's, that's an interesting point. Um, I, I do think he's going to be playing centre-back until... January at this point now because just looking at just how things are I mean I think Reese Williams has still got a little bit of a bit of a niggle too but it, when you're looking at the players who failed to score when he's been playing centre back I mean we rang off on the pod on Sunday it's it's an, it's it's quite the list when you look at some of the names uh, so you've got Lewandowski Vardy Werner Nabry Coman Abraham Havertz and Tadic 
that's that's a list of mm. some talented attackers there. It's like it's an undertaker list almost of, um, of, of talented people that are, are on that list. And it's like I think that's a very good point. And, and Mush, I'll come to you on this one as well. The way that he can read the game, and he's not the quickest of players by any means, but his intelligence to be in the right positions in the right spots and pick out phases of play to lead to interceptions and easy people the ball. It's just such a core attribute for it, for him and the way he plays. I think you're spot on, and I think that the, to kind of go off what Joe said as well, I think what makes Fabinho a high IQ player and what makes any player, especially of this level, a high IQ player, is body shape. So sometimes if you're just, your angles are slightly off, the time it takes for you to readjust your ball, readjust your body to face the ball in the top level of football costs you a chance or a goal or something like that. And whenever you watch Fabinho, even like you're talking about playing against Vardy, when you watched how he was up against Vardy, Vardy never had a moment where he'd kind of seen the back of Fabinho's shirt. He was never running in a channel where he was ahead of Fabinho. It was always the two or three steps or the steps just 90 degrees left or right that always made sure that Fabinho was in control of the situation rather than the situation being dictated by the attacker. And I think he probably does that better than, apart from Van Dijk, probably all of our defenders as well. That's just how good he is in that position or just how he plays the game. He did something fairly similar um, when we played Chelsea, because obviously he was kind of more isolated on Timo Werner at that point as well. I kind of obviously chip and change it with Vardy in this situation. He does a really good job of shepherding in players if they are on a point of goal, leading them away from the face of goal getting himself into a nice position where he can nudge them off, retain possession, and distribute hey, straight right? back. He takes the situation. That's the best yeah. thing, isn't it? He just controls. He tells you where you can go. It's never about the, the strikers kind of shuffling him away from the position. And it's just awesome to watch, man. Do you feel comfortable with him, the centre-back? Because you know, there's like, cause there's some, there's some, there's some, sometimes where we just like kind of... Yeah, I remember when we, we had Brighton away. And we had Wijnaldum as centre-back. And there's been some opportunity. I think Emre Chan was also playing centre-back as well. So it, there's just been, it's just nice to have a guy with that, that versatility, really, as well. Yeah, I think he can play there. Definitely. I think the worry is what Joe said. I think he's too good there for, to start ignoring because I think he's too good there compared to, if you take him out of midfield, Henderson does a better job filling in than whoever would replace Fabinho at centre-back. So Klopp might be thinking... Do you know what? It's easier to find a midfield fill-in than someone of the quality at centre-back than Fabinho. That's just how good he is as a player, I think. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry, let's go. Yeah, let's that much. I think it just goes back to him just being a naturally good defender because before being a holding midfielder, he was an out-and-out right-back. Yeah. A right-back. You didn't want to move from being a right-back. Um, yeah, do you remember that? Do you remember that weird yeah. thing where he, when he was signed for Monaco, he wanted a clause in the contract that said he the was playing exclusively exactly, yeah. right back. Exactly that, because um, I think he saw he saw potential of taking Danny Alves's position at Brazil at right back and just playing well in, in that position. But then um, the former Monaco coach had had an eye for him in in centre mid, and he didn't look back. So I think him being very good defensively and going back to your point, uh, Moshe, about shepherding players away. Going and taking them to places they want, don't want to be. It's just that him being a right. So um, yeah, I think I think that's what it comes down to. I completely agree yeah. with that. But I have nothing further to say. It's just 
for me, it's it's more of a situation of you you can't you can't you can see when someone's learnt to defend or someone naturally defends. And he doesn't look like a midfielder at centre back. He looks like a centre back who can play anywhere he wants. And we, I'm sure, if you played football, you played with those guys before, where you put a man who knows how to play the game on the pitch, whether he's playing left mid, whether he's playing centre back, right back, whatever. He kind of talks you through the game, and you just feel like he's on cruise control. And that's what Fabinho is. When I sit far in the ring, man, I go hard like Santan. Hello, me here from Touchline Frackers. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. So businesses all over the globe have been challenged to be their most efficient, and that means that every single hire that they have is critical. Indeed are the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the right person for your business. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. So you only pay for what you need. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out for a free $75 credit at Indeed.com forward slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com forward slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, no, completely agree. Fantastic player. Um, I want to move on to what happened after the game. Um, I think we've all all seen it by now at this point we've all we've all listened to it um sky have done a fairly decent job of trying to get scrubbed from the internet and i assume that um bt have done a, a similar job as well so popping on a bit of i say, say rant's not the correct word for it because it's 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 truth it's facts like rafa said um so i'm just going to read you a bit of a bit of an excerpt from it and what he's talking about in terms of the short turnarounds for games and the scheduling issues and stuff so uh if you sky and stuff start talking to bt sport we're all done we're finished. Sky and BT have to talk because if we keep playing on Wednesday and Saturday at 12.30, I'm not sure if we'll finish the season with 11 players, all the top six and seven. I know you, the broadcasters, don't care, and that's the problem. It's not wrong. We've discussed it for a long time and nothing's happened. Everyone tells me it's difficult here, it's difficult there. It's really difficult for the players, and that's, and that, and that's why it's difficult. The rest is just a decision on a desk in an office, and that's not difficult for me. I'm happy about the game tonight, but we lost another midfielder. That's the situation. But it's not about us. I can only say it in one more time. Whoever calls me selfish has to ask him who himself who is selfish. But it's not about that. I want to discuss things calm. The only problem is, maybe it's my language, is everyone says he talks about Liverpool. I don't talk about Liverpool. I talk about all the football players out there. Yesterday, PK, massive knee injury. Today, Saka, maybe, I'm not sure, a knee injury. He played all three games for England during the international break in today's football. Now people tell us to rotate players, but who? We have some offensive players, but the rest are kids. That's how it is. It's all okay. We fight with all we have, but it's how it is. But if you don't start talking, you will see what happens. Hits. As someone who is uh, skilled with dropping dubs and war dubs in particular, um, how poignant of a statement was that from Klopp to get his point across? Because uh, It's a powerful statement, to be fair. Like um, You have to look at it. Yeah. If you look around all the other leagues... A lot of them have still got five subs. 
I think it's only Premier League, I think, and a few others. I think it might be only the Premier League and a few others that have still got three subs. So then you've got to take that into account. Like like Klopp said, you're playing turnover three games every three games every between the gaps of what you're doing. So you're gonna pick up a lot of injuries. Then you're going away on international break to play three games in the middle of the season, which like I think this is the big cause why there's so much injuries happening. If you're just focusing on the Premier League, then it is not that much a strain because you know you've got your squad to focus on the Premier League. But then to know that they're gonna your players are gonna go away for free internationals, then come back and play club games, it's just too much on the players, man. They're not really getting as much time in to rest and whatnot. So this is why so much players are getting injuries and I think he's telling the truth, like it's just all for money really that's what they really want all these matches on tv and that's why they're trying to rush the season into a shorter space of time well i don't think you need to play international football right now if you've got a year off next year so i think it was a bit crazy for them to do that and try and do the premier league in the middle of a pandemic and i think it's costing everyone now like it's hit us hardest the most because of all of this so I like people that speak their mind and I rate Klopp for that. Like, he has to come out and say and the other managers have to come out and stick with him and back him. Because if, if, when they all come together, then people have to make a change. You know what I mean? Like, really agree. I think, it's a good, I think it's a good statement that he come out because he's not happy, to be fair. We, we lost players on international duty training that are out for the whole season. Nobody else is happening to them. It's only us, really. So, I'm all for it, man. Go at them, go at the people at the top and make them make changes. That's what it's about. It's interesting as well that um, after the Man City game, it looked like Klopp and Pep are having a bit of heated words for each other, but they were probably just pointing out what they were going to say after the press conference and then kind of followed in suit and talked about the same thing in terms of the scheduling issues. And obviously Manchester City lost Nathan Ake for an extended period of time as well. Um, It's just, it it is so stupid. I completely agree with you with the point about international football. Um, you know, there's Euros next year, and, and okay, certain teams still need to, to get through their qualifying and stuff. But why couldn't that be done a month, two months before the actual competition starts? I mean, like it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy when you think about how much football they're playing right now. It's ridiculous, man. Like, I, I'm 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 praying we don't get more injuries, but I think a lot of teams are going to get bad injuries this season just for the simple how much games are crammed in the short space of time. You don't really get no break, really. You break for one day, you're playing the next day again. Like, we played Sunday, we're playing again tomorrow, then again yep. Saturday, you know what I mean? Then the same again next week. So it's a bit constant, man. It's, it's, I'm just praying we don't get no more injuries till January, trust me. Hits, yeah. are you, um, as, you, as you're a Bromley Hits, you're, um, yeah. do you think that the, I actually think, do you think that the Villa injury to Barkley might be the start of some of the smaller clubs complaining? Because I think, some of the smaller clubs have been positioning it as, oh, it's the big boys and their Europe that's causing the problems. But now, someone like Barkley who came off in 10 minutes, when the smaller managers are talking and it looks like a league-wide problem, do you think that that might change things? I think, yeah, I think they have to. They all have to come together. Like, you can't have five managers upset and then the rest talking about, oh, it's only going to affect the big boys because it just looks like it's only us big boys complaining, you know what I mean? So... If you all come together and say, look, yeah, this is taking the piss now, like, kind of thing. Like, you're taking the mic, like, this can't happen when we're doing this, like, and everyone's just getting injuries left, right and centre. They have to make changes, because I reckon if we had five subs, we wouldn't have that much injuries. 
I really do think that if we've had five subs, you've got more chance that you've got more space to space out your substitution, rest your players. When you've got three subs, there's going to be another, the rest of your players are probably shattered. If you can take off like five men and bring on five fresh men, you'd see how much injuries you prevent. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. I just think that, I don't think they're going to make any changes, to be fair. I think they're going to leave it like this, three subs for the rest of the season. Just and try and say, like, you know what, we're in a pandemic, we have to accept it. But this is what you have to realise. Before the pandemic, when we kicked in after the pandemic started, we was having five subs. So I don't understand why you had five subs then. But then now the season started now, you want to have three? Like, it's just crazy. It really is. I I, I agree with the subs. I think that's a, probably a bigger point than the scheduling because in terms of the scheduling, um, Klopp can run all he wants and he's right in what he's saying. But the clubs have given the broadcasters the power and that should never be the case because broadcasters aren't football people. They're just trying to maximise you know, viewership to maximise money. So they're not going to put you first. They're going to try and, you know, okay, 12.30, yeah, we want to Liverpool at 12.30 and then we'll play another big team at XYZ. They don't care that we play Atlanta at seven, at 8 o'clock on Wednesday. They don't care. That's, mm-hmm. that's nothing to do with them. And as a club or as, you know, chairman of, of Premier League clubs, if you give broadcasters that power, then you can't complain. I'm so sorry. And you've just got to be real with your employees and say, look, it's our fault. It's not the broadcasters' fault because we've given them the power. It's, it's really simple. The weird thing for me is the five subs because it, it's a weird thing about, you know, English football. We always try and be different. If you remember, maybe it was two, three seasons ago, we tried to end the transfer window early, but nobody yes. else did. So it just looked stupid. You know, it's like, okay, you've done that. Everybody else is carrying on as, as normal. We're now at disadvantage. The same goes for... Um, the, the five subs thing. Now in Champions League, we're going to be at disadvantage. And when it comes to um, the European Championship, we're going to be at disadvantage. It's really simple. It's just stupid. You know, like there's no reason not to have five subs this season. It's so condensed. I looked at this, the scheduling and between now and I think maybe the second or third week in January, we've got two games a week. There's no break. There's no respite. And that's, and that's, that's insane. That's insane. If you think about Liverpool's schedule now, Wednesday we play a game, Thursday there'll be recovery, Friday there may be like a light training session, and they're probably travelling the night for Brighton in the morning. I mean, in the in midday. What is that? That, that? that just can't happen. Do you get what I'm going to say? That's what happens when you give all the power to the people who pay up. You know what I mean? So that's, that's how I see it anyway. Completely agree. And there was, a question from, there was a question in this press conference today when they were saying that, have you been practising, you're defending on the training ground? And he goes, we don't actually have to have much time on the training ground. It's all film sessions. It's everything, that's, everything that we do improvement-wise is within meetings and film sessions that we don't have that much time on the training pitch, which is a lux- I guess that is a luxury that the, the teams that are in Europe do have. But uh, they will be complaining when we get into that, when we start coming to this Christmas period from next week onwards, when we're playing X amount of games within the short amount of period of time, then you'll hear people like Roy Hodgson and you know, Sean Dyche crying. Then, then they'll want five subs then. And I just don't understand why common sense can't come into play. Farouk, I do want to stick on you with this topic. Uh, it's a bit of a two-prong question. With the broadcasters and, I guess, obviously the other managers, how come common sense just doesn't come into play with stuff like that? So you've got, you've got, Liverpool, playing a, you've got Liverpool playing on a Wednesday. Um, 
why can't there be a com- like, like I said, why can't there be a conversation between Sky and BT? Um, and this might be a little bit of a pay grade, I guess. Just yeah, no, it kind of is. But I'm just just on the common sense thing. I think the twelve thirty game is that BT. That's BT as well, isn't it? Um, on Brian, right? Twelve thirty game is usually BT, no? Yeah, yeah. So what what I don't get is like, obviously with Sky losing the Champions League, like they're always going to try and maximize getting Liverpool on because they don't get the luxury of having them on in the Champions League as well. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So they'll, they they want to get them at a time where they're going to maximise viewership. And I think that's what he's trying to get out with Sky and BT saying, look, you lot are trying to, like you're rinsing us out. Like just play us when it's best for us as well sometimes and have, have a compromise. But again, for me, it just goes back to the old complaint. You can't really say anything when you've given all the power to the broadcasters. And in terms of common sense, I don't think there's common sense when there's money involved. I'm, that's just how I see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if we filled like 11 like academy players, everybody's still going to watch. So they don't care, you know? So as long as they're getting maximum money, especially in a season like this when they're losing money, they're not going to listen to him. The only change I anticipate happening is the five subs. You know, that's the only change. I think I think that the common sense will prevail, especially coming up to this... Um, you know this winter schedule, which is ridiculous. Now I know we love festive football, but it needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's the only kind of compromise we're going to probably get. You know, I guess the second part of my, my my question to you as well is, as someone who kind of works within that player liaison um, it, it, part in football, it, how how do the players really feel about that in terms of the short recovery times? And obviously that's a bit of a stupid question on how do they feel, but. What would you do if I, someone that you, you, you liaised with come up and said that, you know, I feel really tired and the club won't give me a break, etc., etc.? So we've seen in years gone by, we've been able to send players on holiday and give them a short break during the season. There's just no room and there's no real room to actually do that from now on. If, if that was me, I mean, if it was my player, there's, there's not much you can do. Like, even as a liaison, like, at the end of the day, what are you going to say? Oh, I'm going to hand in a transfer request or I'm going to leave. OK, you're going to leave to another club who, or another team maybe in another country for the sake of what's a year of football. It's it's a very unique situation whereby I feel like there's not much anybody can do. I think certain things should have just happened. The Champions League group stages should have never happened this year. It should have been straight knockouts. It's just common sense. It sounds extreme, but it's just there's not enough like uh there's not enough time to try and do what we're trying to do without there being physical consequences, in my opinion. You know? Um there should be no international friendlies. They shouldn't exist. Like it's 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 like that's madness, and I think what you'll find this year more than ever is clubs intentionally fielding a weakened team for the FA Cup. Like we won't yeah. play anybody of of not an FA Cup. We want out. I I everybody knows that. You don't even have to be an insider to know that. And a lot of clubs are going to follow suit. You know what I mean? So I think um, personally, it's going to be one of those seasons where we're going to pay for it for a couple of years to come. Personally, anyway. But as as a liaison, as a player, you just it's one of those seasons where you're just gonna have to suck it up because everybody has to deal with it. You know what I mean? Nobody's exempt. You know. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's completely fair. Okay, cool. Well, um, we do have, yeah, with with the pack schedule, we do have a game tomorrow. Um, we've got Atalanta at home in the Champions League, and a win will basically just see us qualify. Um, it won't mean that we top the group, but again, with how the Champions League is at the moment, it doesn't really make a difference if you finish top or second with the seeding and stuff. Um, Els, I'll come to you uh, on on this. Judging from the press conference today, it looks like the Joel Matip's going to play tomorrow. 
So it seemed, yeah, I mean, he was the he was the player representative to come out. So that just gave me a bit of an impression that he'd be the uh, uh, with the guy to play. Um, he was very coy on injuries. He just flat out just said, "Do we know anything about Atlanta injuries?" No, no, I'm not saying anything about mine. So that would give the sense, give the assumption that you know there's going to be no Henderson, no Thiago, no Ox, etc. Um, how do you feel about Matip playing tomorrow when we do have a game on Saturday? Yeah, I'm not less pleased than that. I think you said in the um, post-match pod, whether we rather not, we rather him not play to, uh, tomorrow, but then play against West against Brighton, um, because we've got three games left, and with all intents and purposes, we just need to win one game out of the three to qualify. And uh, so, him not playing tomorrow doesn't really matter, but him playing. Uh, against Brighton, sorry, matters more. So I'm not too best pleased with that. But then if Reese Williams is still carrying a knock, what do you do? Um, Fabinho just come back from a hammy injury. He's definitely going to play. So I, th- I think I think Klopp is stuck between a rock and a hard place in regards to that. Um, in terms of everything else, then your midfield, uh, again, our midfield is a bit short on legs there. What do we do there? No, it's, going to be, it's, it's, it's going to have to be a late in Clarkson masterclass. It's going to have to be, right? It's going to have to be. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I think Farouk made a point earlier, when we were talking earlier, in a position where we were still stacked at the beginning of the season when you had about six million people playing in midfield, now we've got one man and his dog. So, it's, and it's kind of crazy. Though. So, I don't know. It's absolutely nuts, man. Joe, I'll come to you on this, just carrying on to the conversation we're having there. Do you think it's a more of a case of Klopp thinking two steps ahead? So, let's say, just go out, beat Atlanta tomorrow, and then you basically have the next two games in the Champions League as free hits. You can do whatever you want. You can play whatever fucking formation you want to do against Michelin and Ajax. Um, and you can use them as essentially two dead rubber games, essentially, and then focus the rest of it on the league. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say the... Um... Atalanta game will probably be the more difficult one. Um, look, we have we have oranges. We, we already know that. Um, I'd rather us seal um, qualification into the next round tomorrow, and then just take it from there. So I, I definitely see where he might possibly go with that. Um, it's just quite unfortunate that we have players who don't really have the best injury record, and I know we're trying to save Matt as much as we possibly can. Um, which is perfectly fine, um, perfectly understandable. But I'd rather us get the business done with Atalanta and then um, roll the dice on the weekend because at least that gives us uh, two games where we can build whoever and play whatever position we want to play, um, knowing that, you know, we don't have too much riding on, on, on the actual scoreline, on the actual results. So I'd say we get it done now and then rest who we need to rest the key players in, in the coming weeks. So let's just get the, do- the job done early like we did before and um, rest, the, uh, rest the, the key players. So, yeah. Would you play Salah? To, uh, Salah's had his rest. He, he didn't play on the weekend. So play Salah. Um, let him get like maybe 50, 55, 60 minutes and then pull him. Um, so he's somewhat fresh again on the weekend. I'll probably do the same with Mane. I, I'd want us to maybe go one or two goals up in the 
in the first half uh, and, you know, just try to seal the game from there. Um, but, yeah, it, that's my thinking for all our important players. Um, it's just maybe give them maybe 60 minutes to go out and do what they need to do and then, and then take it from there. Yeah, I mean, in, in an ideal world, we'd like to do something similar that we did against Ajax, really. So you played the front yeah. three, then made the triple substitution that was pre-planned on 60 minutes, pre-packaged. So um, Firmino didn't start, uh, say start, he didn't uh, train today, which is raising a bit of doubts about his availability. Clubs did say he was fine, but we've heard that Thiago will be back for the next game for the past 7,000 weeks. So who knows what's going on, really. Um, Mush, I'll come to you. Um, with this game, I feel there's a little bit of a... And he was asked about him in the in the pre-match press conference about Minamino. He said that he's been training really hard and it's just a, it's just we're in a thankful position where most, most if not all, of our attackers um, are a healthy scratch. Would you give? Would you do a throw of the dice and play him tomorrow, potentially in a four-two-three-one where he plays the number ten? Um, interesting question. That I think uh, Minamino showed that he does have a good performance in him in the Champions League. That Ajax away game, I thought he was a great focal point for us. Um, was really central to a lot of the stuff we did. Um. I think he would be good there. I actually think he might play up front rather than number 10. But even if he was number 10, I think he'd be good there. I think what what we need to see from Minamino a bit more is we've seen the ball sticks nicely, he strikes the ball well, he links up well. But I, I think he's just lacking a bit of physicality, I think. And I think that's what we want to see more of. If you're going to play Minamino, show us why you should start because I think the Minamino's big problem is he looks like a lovely, nice, friendly little man, but he doesn't look like a guy who's threatening the first team. And he doesn't look like he's the kind of guy who's happy to upset a few faces by not passing to them or by not doing something and, you know, upsetting the apple cart. And I want to see that from someone who wants to play for arguably the best team in the world. Yeah, he looks like a nice fella. You'd have him around for dinner. You'd look after your dog while you're on holiday. But uh, you wouldn't trust him to kind of like back you in a, when you're getting rushed or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he looks like the kind of guy who'd say sorry to... You know when Mane doesn't pass to Salah or Salah doesn't pass to Mane and a chance goes and they they just give each other eye contact, don't say anything and then they just get on with it. Minamino looks like the kind of guy who'd say sorry. So if you've got that Jay from in between is sorry meme, then put that in now because that's what the kind of guy he looks, to be honest. Atlanta are in the best run of form. Uh, I'm just reading now. So... They've only won one of their last six games. Obviously, we thrashed them 5-0 uh, in their own backyard. And a bit, of a bit of an odd stat as well. They were they were held at the weekend their first 0-0 draw in over 12 months by a newly promoted Serie A team. So it seems as though if there's a time you want to play at Atlanta, it seems to be now. Uh, obviously, with travel restrictions and stuff, it's probably going to be a bit of a pain for them to come to us as opposed to vice versa. So, Hits, how are you feeling about the game tomorrow? Obviously, team that will be available aside. How are you feeling about, you know, are you confident that we'll get all three points and qualify? Yeah, I think I think Klopp's going to put out his strongest team that he could pick tomorrow, basically. Get the, get the job done. Yeah. In the last two games, you can just play the kids, really, I think. So, I think, yeah, he's going to pick quite a strong team. Um, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't even know the squad, to be fair. To be honest, I'd play Shaqiri and Minamino, if I'm being honest. Uh, I'd play Shaqiri in the middle, Minamino up front. 
what's your thoughts on Shakiri as a footballer? He's a baller, bro. I think it's just problems with him is that the other players in the team are just so good. That's just his problem. Like, whenever he plays, you just think, yo, this kid's is a ball. I've always rated Shakiri, but like I said, the players in front of him are just way better, so it's a hard one, but he's an excellent squad player. I think the game tomorrow would be ideal for him, to be fair, if he's fit. Like, give him some minutes, Minamino as well. Like, everyone, the players need minutes before they start performing. When you're not getting much minutes, when you come on, you quite you quite you can't quite fit into the game. You know what I mean? So I'd play Shakiri Minamino tomorrow. Um, I'd probably play Fabinho and Phillips at centre back. I don't think I, I'm, I think he's ineligible, isn't he, Nat Phillips for is like, his league games? Yeah, know. yeah. Off one that is good defender, man. I've always rated him to be fair. He's happy he's getting his chance now. To be fair, like. But I think um, come January, we still need to buy a top centre-back. Probably one or two, I'd be honest. Because even next season when we start, Fabinho and Gomez still might not be fit. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they've mm. got long injuries. So I think yeah, he's going to probably bring yeah, us the, forward this January. Yeah, we did the Twitter thread. Um, last, I think it was last week. I'm losing track yeah. of the days now. Um, any guys from that list stand out to you? Yeah, two of them. Umpacano and Kabak. To be fair, I probably I think we'd get Kabak because I don't see Umpacano leaving Leipzig in January because they're still in the Champions League, ain't they? I think they might Leipzig. get knocked out because they yeah, got battered yeah. by Man United, didn't they? And they lost to PSG. Because I yeah. know his price tag drops to 45 mil next summer. So, I don't know. I, that would be the ideal signing. If I would got my own way, I'd buy him and Kabak in January. I'd just spend 100 mil here, go and take them, and have defenders there. Because I know we're going to struggle come next season. Because like, like I said, Gomez and Van Dijk have had bad injuries. When we start the next season, they still might not even be starting for us then. So we can't afford to be going into the new season with no centre-backs at all. I'm not really, obviously Fabinho's classic in centre back, but I think he's wasted there as well. Yeah. When he plays in midfield, we're a totally different team, you know what I mean? So I just want to bring in quality centre backs, man. I thought we would have replaced Lovren, to be fair, it's cost us now. When I sit far in the ring, I'm gonna go hard that Santana. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.com. AG. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, so, we, had a, um, we, had, we had a massive discussion about that kind of earlier on um, in, in the year when we were discussing how that will come back to bite us in the arse, and it really did. Um, I think the Kabak one will probably happen more than anything because literally today at Schalke was literally just all out civil war. I'm talking like WWE invasion kind of shit. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah um, just insane stuff. 
But um, yeah, I think I think for tomorrow's game, I think we'll probably line up with something like uh, obviously Allison and Dole, uh, maybe Shimakast at left back, give Robbo yeah, a little I, bit of a rest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, Matthew Fabinho and Echo Williams, uh, Milner, Wijnaldum, Jones, and yeah, and Mane, Salah, Jota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get cool. the three points. That's all we need, man. That's all we need. Three points. Move on. Rest the players for the last two games. We can save them for the Premier League games. Then you know what I mean. So get the job done, man. Completely agree. Completely agree. Cool. Um. So just to end up on the pod, we we asked everyone earlier on uh, to come prepared with their uh, obviously. From this weekend's game, we're now 64 games unbeaten at home in the league. 64 games unbeaten. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, me personally, I'm aiming to try and beat that Chelsea one, but that Chelsea one is just absolutely absurd when I was looking at it <laughs> at the weekend. It's mad. That is insane. And the fact that we, that we were the ones to end it as well is kind of, kind of, kind of we're poetic. We're so far from it, man. We're so far. How, How many have they got? Play? How many have Chelsea got? Chelsea got? 85. 86. 86. That's going to take us. Was this under Jose? Was this under Jose Mourinho? Uh, It was five seasons or something. So is that uh, Mourinho for two seasons? Three seasons. No, two and a half because he left in. Yeah, 07 he left in. 07, 08, yeah. You know how mad it is to go. So they went unbeaten 86 games at home from March 2004 to October 2008. That's madness. That's insane. It's mad, but you know you have to remember as well the levels of football then compared to now. Yeah. The nostalgia merchants are going to come after you, bro. Now I'm going to be honest, bro. Football has evolved so much compared to then to now. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Completely. I agree, but I still think like in regards of what everything. So, it, it, it is a good. Don't get me wrong. It's a good. Um, Record, but I just don't think they could do that in this era now. Yeah, but then with the teams, with the teams that were playing now, like everything's a lot better now compared to when we was them days when Mourinho first come, Chelsea were just dominating. Yeah, but we're just we're kind of dominating though, bro. Yeah, we're dominating now. This is why I reckon. Me personally, sixty-two unbeaten is for me is better than the Chelsea's one. Because of the time we're in now and the quality of teams we're playing, mm. I think I think like, definitely in terms of throughout the league, there's definitely more quality than that. Yeah, man, the quality yeah. is hard, man. Like, but I still feel like 84 over that. Like, that's a mad, it's a mad stat though. That is 84 on being at home is crazy. Exactly, man. man it's insane. It's crazy. So we actually want to pick out their favorite uh, favorite result from that run. So else, if you want to lead, lead us off. Your favourite result from this 64-game unbeaten run at home uh, in the league? I went I went with Man City and beat them 4-3 in, what's that, 17-18 season? Yep. Yeah, um, I think, I, like I said on Twitter, I said that it was just that beginning. It was that, that time where you thought that if Liverpool could get the defence right, put out the back line, they've got a winning, a champion-winning team here. And lo and behold, they've done that and cut. Mush. Oh, I'm so happy we get to do this. My favourite <laughs> game was definitely um, the Man United 3-1 game. And 
just to make us all feel better, I've even got some screenshots of what Jose Mourinho was resigned, the Thanos of football was resigned to saying about us, okay? He said, Robertson, Mane, Salah, Wijnaldum, Keita, Fabinho. They are physical players and on top, they are very good technical players. I have lots of players, but we don't have any players with that intensity, that physicality, when the game is at high speed and that intensity is very difficult for us. Even watching Robertson now, he played at 200 miles an hour and made a 100-meter sprint every minute. So, any time we play Man United and you get 36 shots on goal and Man United are playing like Tranmere away in an FA Cup fifth round that they've somehow made it to just to survive, <laughs> it was incredible. And I think, I, I said that game was, for me, where we went from a fun team to a great team because we started amazingly. And if you remember, they scored a goal completely against a runner play. And then in years gone by, fun Liverpool would have accepted the draw and, you know, we'd enjoy the vibes and then go home. But instead, Shaq came on, showed that it was the squad game and we came <coughs> on. So, yeah, definitely that game and it will be a game I'll probably cherish for the rest of my life. I love that. I, mean, I really like that. So, I like how you came prepared as well. You came with, came with the evidence. The fans of football, that's a good one. <laughs> Joe, I'll come to you. Your favourite game during this run. Well, I'm, I'm annoyed that you let you've, you've gone to Rob before you come to me because that was essentially my one. I'm going to have to go with a more recent performance. Thank you, Chris. Um, I, I'll, I'll not my reader. Just, okay. Just for just for just for today. I mean, I, I'd say the, the the last performance was 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 really 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 impressive to me. Um, only because. The, the, it just looked like the, the chips were down for us. Um, we we had injury. We have injuries everywhere, and everyone's been quote unquote smelling blood ever since Van Dyke's gone out with injury, and then Joe Gomez as well. And I feel teams have have, have played us thinking, you know what, we we can get something here, and it doesn't matter what you do or what you think, or what you say. Klopp seems to. He, there's a reason why he's he's a great manager. He's so smart. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he, it's clear that he knows his players on the inside out. Just where we may doubt the club or the, the, the team or the players or whoever, he's he knows exactly what he's doing. And it was really impressive to watch the, that level of performance. Padlock, Shackle, Jamie Vardy, whatever it is you want to say. Um, and Essentially, they they made Leicester look like a welfare case. Um, it was really, really, really fun to watch, um, and I think that, that was that was really impressive. Outside of, of Rob stealing my Man United um, moment there, but I think <laughs> the last performance against uh, against Leicester, just because of the importance as well, because we have this record that we're trying to keep. That was one of those games where everyone thought, actually, you know what, um, they may actually lose that record to Leicester. So. Um, as long as we don't lose it to Chelsea, um, I'm happy with, 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 with us going on a little, uh, uh, another run again. So, um, yeah, the Leicester game. It's how about yourself? You know what? The Barcelona game for me, man, like, Champions League, 4-0. I, can't, I don't think I've seen anything like that from Liverpool, like, in my time of supporting them. Like, this is a Barcelona team that have been dominating for years, and we blew them out of the water. Blew them out of the water. Like that's still one of my best performances for Liverpool. I'll probably be like one of my favourites forever. Like just how we dominated them, and even though it's four 0 it could have been way more. And not much team do that to Barcelona. You know what I mean? So I'd say 
over them over that time I'd say that's the best performance for me. And then in the league, I'd say the Leicester one because everyone's ripped us off. Same with God, do nothing with all these injuries. And I think a lot of teams sing that performance on the weekend and are scared now. Like I'll be honest, they're scared. They're seeing that like yo, whatever club team puts out, they still perform like their first eleven. And that just shows you, like, the mentality he's put into the whole squad. Even kids come in. Kids come in and the play just like, you, the fit into the system, it's crazy. So, yeah, man, them two performances for me, them two games, they're, they're the biggest wins for me. Yeah, I was saying this at the weekend to my dad. It was like, if we if we beat Leicester with this hobbled squad that we've got right now for this game, it sends such a massive message to the rest of the league that even at our battered and bruised, you still you still can't beat us. You know, this is like this is probably one of the best performing teams of the league this season, and they nullified effortlessly. So oh, it's yeah, bro. I, I, was, I was thinking, I was already planning to not be on Twitter for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was panicking because I know Barley speed. Like Leicester, basically, we, we they they made us. We're not be honest. They played right into our hands. If they just played the ball over the top through balls, we would have lost. And they never done one. They never done that once, apart from one. They played one through ball where Fardy went through. But they played right into our hands, to be fair. So, yeah, man, I'm happy. Can't complain. No, love. Farouk, about yourself. Favourite game in the league during this run? Well, it's the tight one. Um, there's two, but I'll pick... No, no, go on. I'll, I'll give you an exemption. You have to. I don't want to steal anybody's. That's the thing. Because not everyone's gone, in it. So... Well, it's just me left. I'm, I'm happy. Go on. OK, OK, cool. Um, the first one's probably it won't be remembered as much but you know the Chelsea um, the Liverpool Chelsea game when Salah scored with the screamer yeah oh, yeah simply because remember we're still chasing and yeah. that was a game that was pinned that we may lose and then obviously the, the racist things came out about Salah etc etc so Anfield was just rocking and it was just like yeah when that goal went in it was mad because that, that was the second goal right yeah that was the second goal Marnie scored first and then Salah scored so yeah that that was crazy um, but my favourite definitely is the city, the city game. You know the the one we we just recently won at home. Yeah, yeah, Fabinho when he he did that, it's time. You know that's just for me. It was like I came on the pod after and I said we'd won the league, and people were talking onto it like, "Wow, this guy's excited." But it's just like I just knew it was just like rubber stamped. It was like, yeah, we're we, we're here. Like, and that wasn't a fluke. Ninety-seven points weren't a fluke. We're doing it again, and yep. we just. Like, it was contentious with a couple of the decisions with the handball and stuff like that. But honestly, we're just on it. You know, the goal that came from one side to the other. And it's just like, oh, I can't wait for fans to come back, you know. Because, like, <laughs> when you think about moments like that, you think about the crowd and the reaction. And it, it just makes a massive difference to the spectacle of things, isn't it? But, yeah, man, it has to. It probably has to be that for me. They say with the guidelines that came yesterday with, like, fans can't sing, you um, West Ham fans are gonna have a tough time, isn't it? Because they, you know, they always do that. Is this a library? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is the perfect time to do it, and they can't even do it. <laughs> do, do you think that's a, anyway? I, I know for sure um, that that's not gonna work. You can't stop, even if they're saying what four thousand or what, whatever it is um, reported. I, I just don't see how that that's gonna run in terms of like not singing and stuff like that. But I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's insane. Um, mine. I'm. I've got two as well. Um, 
one of them Joe one of them Joe said uh just in the in in, in the chat box there the the three nil against Middlesbrough when we needed to to win just to confirm top four oh, Champions yeah. League for the first time in a while. I was just a really good because Arsenal I think Arsenal playing someone really shit and they were like one nil up within the first five minutes of the game. I think Giroud scored. Um and it was just it was the first time in a long time that we were in it in the last game of the season with something to actually play for. Mm-hmm. Which was quite nice. Um, the team played really well. Gini scored a fantastic header. Lalana scored. I mean, it was just it was, it was just good, and then it just reconfirmed going back to the Champions League where it belonged, and we were taking the right step in in, in the plan, really. And of course, I'd be I'd be remiss not saying that the two 0 against Manchester United last season was absolutely electric. Um, everything about that game, the crowd singing, "Now you're gonna believe us, we're gonna we're gonna win the league." It's just. Everything about that game was perfect. You know, the Salah's goal to, to cap it all off. Allison sliding like Usher in the uh, confessions video. Yeah. It, was just, it was just top, man. It was just a top, top, top game. And yeah, I can't, can't wait till we're... I can't, I, I can't wait till we're all able to watch football together. Just in like, you know, in a, in a pub or something. Because, you know, that bond is just something special. And of course, I can't wait till we're all back in the ground just hugging strangers at, at goals that, you know, these... These gods, these people we see as gods have just scored. So, yeah, all for it. Cool. Um, well, that's it for this week, boys. I'm glad you've, glad you've all found time to, to, to join. Um, Hits, is there anything you, you – uh, first of all, thank you very much for, for joining us this week. We've absolutely enjoyed having you on. Anything, anything you want to plug? That's it, really, you know. Um, the Birmingham grind set with Sir Spiral. Check that out on his YouTube channel. Um, the Birmingham Sci-Fi Deadly YouTube channel. Check that out. And yeah, man, let's look out for the music coming, man. The Man of the Match EP before the years out, produced by Filthy Gears. Yeah, man, just getting ready. Take off with new music. And hopefully we'll win another league this season. Yeah, yo. Yeah. God willing, that's man. It, man. God willing. Now, that's what we'd like to hear. Um, awesome. Of course, everyone, if you enjoyed... What you've listened, what you've heard today, and want to hear more Cop and Fracas content, then please head over to our Patreon page. That is www.patreon.com forward slash Cop and Fracas, where you can hear a whole host of content from ourselves. Of course, we'll be doing a post-match show um, tomorrow evening, following the Atlanta game. Uh, Mush will be hosting a lovely pre-Brighton show that I can't wait to can't wait to hear. And yeah, we've got so much more coming for the next few weeks, and obviously with the festive period uh, coming up thick and fast. You can be assured that we'll be there to help you through it every step of the way. So, from us here at Copper and Fracas, we'll see you soon. Network.